Hi, it's Dean Miller, and welcome to episode four of Dean's List. I can't believe we're up to episode four. It's going fast. I'm not even close to running out of stories, so that's a good thing. This week, I want to talk to you a little bit about my weird world of show business that I grew up in. I want to tell a Johnny Cash story that I kind of alluded to in the last episode and just cover a couple of other topics along the way. Before we get into things, I wanted to ask you to please share this podcast with everyone you know. If you get a chance, please drop by my Instagram page at Dean Miller Music or the Facebook page, which is Dean Miller Page or Twitter, which is at Dean Miller Music and just check out all the stuff going on there. First, I want to talk about the topic of stars, and I don't mean the ones in the sky. I grew up around a lot of famous people, and I think that's kind of strange and elusive to some people. I don't, I've never fully understood why people are fascinated by people who are famous, because they're no different than a person who's just walking by you on the street. So I don't really get that sort of uh, nervous fascination about it. I do understand admiring people. I understand looking up to people. Uh, I have certainly people like that in my life. And in fact, many times in my life, I've met a hero of mine and been terribly disappointed. I probably won't mention any names, John Cougar Mellencamp. But anyway, um, I wanted to talk about this kind of thing I noticed. Stardom, back in the early days of movies and, and recordings, stars were larger than life. People just put them on a pedestal, and there were so few of them. They were just uh, amazing to people. To see somebody on the silver screen was just life-altering. In the time that I grew up, which is the 60s and 70s, I felt like show business had more of a kind of informal, casual approach. Um, things weren't so tight and slick and perfectly edited and all that stuff. You know, for example, I look back at the Dean Martin roasts. Did anybody ever watch the Dean Martin roasts? That was a time when all of these old stars would get up and they'd smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol and criticize each other. And it, it was the coolest night of television ever to me because here were all these famous people and you got a sense of what they were probably like when they were just friends and hanging out. And I used to love that kind of thing about show business where people would flub lines or mess up or whatever. The Carol Burnett show was famous for messing up scenes and making, you know, making up things on the fly and, and losing it and laughing. And I don't know. I just feel like show business has gotten a little slick. And uh, with social media, it's kind of been like the great leveler. It makes us all show up on, under bad lighting with bad sound and, and kind of reveals that we're all just people. And some part of that is really good, I think. I think it's good to know that no matter who you are, you're just a person and we're all in the same boat together. And uh, I just love that idea that just like the telephone, you can pick up and call somebody Well, you can pick up your phone now and get on social media and see somebody who's really well known, but you see them in their environment and you see that kind of casual kind of approach. However, it has kind of diminished that big star feeling. I, I'm, I'm not sure people are as excited about things like the Academy Awards and all that stuff. I guess people are. They get excited about it. But it, it's certainly not the same as when I was growing up. Which brings me to a story that I was going to share. There was a restaurant that my family used to go to in the 80s. And it was called La Familia. And it was in Beverly Hills. I went to college in Los Angeles. And my parents were living in New Mexico. And they would come out to L.A. to do business or whatever. And whenever they would come out, we would go eat at this restaurant called La Familia. And every night, Dean Martin would eat at this restaurant. And at this point in Dean Martin's life, he was not the same as he used to be. Dean Martin lost a son in a terrible accident. And people said he just was never the same again after that. 
and he would eat alone in this restaurant. I mean, sometimes he'd be with people, but we'd see him there all the time. And I met him several times in my life. He was a friend of my dad's. And uh, he would sit in this corner booth at La Familia. And he had a little black and white television with a big antenna, because of course it was the 80s. And he would watch his little black and white TV and he would drink, he had cocktails, and he would eat and eat alone in this restaurant, La Familia. And I thought, stardom, no stardom, whatever people think of celebrities in life, you always end up with yourself. And Dean Martin was ending up eating alone in a restaurant, heartbroken over the loss of his son. And it kind of showed me that nobody is immune to the things of life. You can get your heart broken, you can be lonely, you can be sad, even if you're Dean Martin. And so it kind of hit me in a certain way that, that even Dean Martin could have sad times. And even in the, the fanciest restaurant in Beverly Hills, a very expensive, nice restaurant, he's still a guy alone eating, watching television. So it really put a lot in perspective when I saw that. My dad used to like to stop by his table and talk to him. Um, one night we talked to him about Westerns. My dad said, I wish you'd make some of those old Westerns you used to make because my dad loved the old Rio Bravo Westerns that Dean Martin made. So it was just kind of a, a real perspective giver to meet Dean Martin. I had known him, not known him, but I had met him a few times with my dad in his prime when he was swinging tuxedo wearing Dean Martin. I also saw him at this stage of his life when he was not quite so happy. So... I just wanted to share that story because I, I think it's a real nice perspective to have on life that we're all the same and none of us are immune and we should all be lifting each other up because we don't know what anybody else is going through, even Dean Martin. Speaking of stars and stardom, it's amazing how our attitudes toward that have changed. When I was a kid, you know, it was the, the red carpets and the glamour and the pictures and it's kind of become this weird TMZ paparazzi thing of... Let's get the picture. Let's get somebody at their worst. Let's get somebody in a terrible situation. And country music has always been a little bit different than that. It's, it's, it's weird. I always say there's, there's real fame and there's country fame. And I say this because in Nashville, if you're in the music community, nobody seems phased by singers. You know, a country singer comes in the room and they'll say, oh, well, there's Blake Shelton. That's kind of cool or whatever. But if a if a movie star came in the room, people lose their mind. So you'd see these well-known producers and record executives who don't care if a country star comes in. But for example, uh, when I was on Universal, when I was signed to Universal as a singer, I went to this party at the CMA Awards and it was during the time that Lyle Lovett was married to Julia Roberts. Does anybody remember that when Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts were married? Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Maybe it was. But I remember that I was at a party and George Strait was at the party and Reba McIntyre was at the party and there were a lot of big stars at the party. And, you know, of course, people were nice to them and treated them like stars, I guess. But when Lyle Lovett walked in with Julia Roberts, it was like the room stopped. People freaked out. And even people who were executives who'd worked with stars all their lives they they suddenly acted like little kids and and just almost embarrassing when Julia Roberts came in 
And I looked at that and I thought, man, there's real fame and there's country fame. No matter how famous you get in country music, people still treat movie stars differently. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because we watch them on screen and they tell these emotional stories and we feel like we know them. I I don't know what the difference there is, but um, I will tell you that I'd be more apt to freak out over Merle Haggard than I would Julia Roberts, but that's a different story. (laughs) Maybe because I was exposed to show business from an early age, I just think people are people. So I try to treat everybody with the same respect and I don't think anybody is any better or at a higher position than anyone else. I think social status is an illusion and fame is certainly an illusion. I've known a lot of very famous screwed up people. So (laughs) I can tell you from experience, fame doesn't solve your problems. Money doesn't solve your problems. You are who you are on the inside, whether you're famous or not. And that is what I pay attention to. So this is probably as good a time as any to interject our regular feature, which is called Shameless Plug. Shameless plug, shameless plug, I'm gonna make a shameless plug. Y'all wanna have a shameless plug, cause I'm gonna make a shameless plug. I just wanna take a minute to let you guys know my album is coming out at the end of the month. May 29th is when it's gonna officially be available. But before then, I'm going to make it available early for those of you who visit my social media pages and just ask for it. You can direct message me through Instagram, at Dean Miller Music, or at my Facebook page, Dean Miller Page, and I will be happy to let you know how to get the album almost a month early. So I have hard copies on CD, and I will autograph each copy and mail it to you personally. If you uh, drop by, I'll let you know how to do that. So if any of you still have CD players or you want a cool autographed souvenir, the booklet has some really cool pictures and some information in it, and I'll sign it and send it to you. So drop by, and I'll let you know how to get it. Now let me share with you this Johnny Cash story that I alluded to last week. Uh, Johnny Cash was a good friend of my dad's. They were pretty close. In fact, Johnny once said after my dad died, every day that Roger Miller was in my life was a brighter day. And that's pretty high praise. There was a time, (laughs) I believe it was the early 60s, maybe mid 60s, when they were really into these little pills. (laughs) And uh, they would carry little pockets full of these little amphetamines around. And it was um, kind of a thing people did in the music industry. But as many people know, Johnny Cash had a problem with those pills and so did my dad and I would say if you're on those little pills sometimes your judgment gets impaired and one time they were staying in a hotel and they decided they would pull a prank and skip out on their hotel bill they went to the lobby of the hotel and my dad pretended to have a heart attack and fall down in the floor And of course, Johnny yells to call an ambulance and they call an ambulance. And by the way, this would never happen today. And by all means, don't try this at home. But they call the ambulance, the ambulance comes, they load my dad in the ambulance, Johnny jumps in with him and they drive off down the road and you know halfway to the hospital my dad says oh no it's just a joke let us out whatever they let them out of the ambulance and uh they just go on with whatever they were going on with and i guess skipped out on their hotel bill 
these were the days of show business that I really wish would come back. Uh, things were looser, things were fun, and it was just a more exciting time. And while I don't condone drug use, it, it does make for an incredible story, among others. Yeah, that's my Johnny Cash, Roger Miller, fake heart attack story. By the way, I have this really cool picture of my dad out at Johnny Cash's house. I have several several pictures of that, but there's one really cool picture. My dad used to have the first mobile telephone that you could buy, and it was a like a big receiver, like you used to see those old phone receivers in the 70s with the cord, and it led to a big leather briefcase that had a giant box in it which was I guess the phone and you would push a button on the handle to talk and you'd release it to listen and your call would go over radio waves to an operator who then would connect you to a regular call it was very complex but it was state-of-the-art at the time and everybody was fascinated by this phone and my dad would take it everywhere he went and goof with it but there's a great picture of my dad and Luther Perkins standing outside of Johnny Cash's house in Hendersonville Tennessee and they are leaning against Johnny's black Cadillac and they're smoking cigarettes, they have the coolest suits on, and I posted this picture before. My dad is holding the phone with the, the receiver up to his ear and the box part on the fender of Johnny's Cadillac, and he's showing Luther Perkins how this phone works, and at the time, it was the coolest thing ever. Well, as always happens, time flies. I look up, and it's time to wrap up the show. I want to thank you all for listening to the podcast and for listening to the new music. Don't forget, the new album comes out May 29th. Don't forget, we have a new episode of Dean's List up every Wednesday, and it's found anywhere podcasts are found. I have a new song coming out in a week and the album coming out May 29th. So keep an ear out for that and we'll see you next week on Dean's List.